Nigel, welcome to our podcast series. Um, we're going to be talking about natural language understanding in this series and really diving into various elements around artificial intelligence and what kind of data science workflows are being built today. Um, let's pull some of that apart, have a bit of fun with it as well, I think. Um, but uh, with that in mind, uh, so I'm Jack Watts. I am the EMEA AI Business Development Manager for NetApp. Um, but I don't think you should really care about that in this podcast series, if I'm honest with you. Um, Nigel is my superstar, good friend of mine, and uh, I've known him for a good few years now, um, which is probably to detriment to this podcast also. Uh, Nigel, please introduce yourself. Tell us about yours. Yeah, blimey, Jack. I think you've done it all for me there, haven't you, really? So um, I'm Nigel Cannings. I'm the CTO of Intelligent Voice. Um, I have been working with uh, AI and machine learning for a very long time now. Um, I have the dubious honor, I think, of being the first person to make speech recognition run on an NVIDIA GPU card um, for all the good it's done me over the years. Um, Jack and I go, go back a long way. Um, he was actually instrumental in getting me uh, into machine learning in the first place um, at, um, at NVIDIA back in the day. Um, we do a lot of work with speech. We, uh, we do speech recognition, natural language understanding, um, and in really kind of secure environments, so banking and legal and places like that. So um, the places where traditionally people are a bit spooked by um, AI and machine learning. So it'd be really interesting, Jack, just to kind of kick some of these issues around um, during the podcast series. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, with that in mind, you know, that's really where you've kind of built your business on was around that sort of regular regulatory compliance. But if we go back six years ago now, probably, um, where you had this slightly younger faced um, Jack Watts come into your offices, you were the, the first startup really that I spoke to um, and, and really started to understand your business very quickly. And that light bulb moment came to me that it was just like, you guys should work very closely with NVIDIA at that time. And, um, and, and you, you actually pivoted your business a little bit, right? Yeah, completely. I mean, when we first started, we, so we were doing speech recognition for banks, basically. We were listening into phone calls um, and trying to stop people doing naughty things is fundamentally what it came down to. But we were doing it on CPU. It was really slow. Uh, and we were actually building speech models for each individual trader. So that meant we actually had to take a load of kind of phone calls from a trader and transcribe them and do stuff with them. Yeah. And we, you know, I really, it's, it's my, it's the thought of my younger self when I saw a, an advert which said, um, do you want a supercomputer on your desk? And it was about 2007 when I saw one of those very old NVIDIA workstations that they were using for oil and gas. Oh, and, yeah, um, boxes. Um, exactly. And my, my wife was very clear with me that as I didn't, uh, do any oil or gas drilling and um, I didn't have 15 grand in my pocket at the time that I wasn't allowed to buy one um, and and it was kind of came to me um, you know that hang on maybe these supercomputer things can do speech processing and uh, as it turns out they weren't supposed to um, and all the NVIDIA engineers told me you weren't supposed to be able to do it and everyone else did but we managed to subvert the architecture and yeah, so the business, we suddenly went from being a business that was using a lot of CPU power to a business that was actually just using a handful of um, GPU cards to kind of pummel huge amounts of data through. 
and and really took off in terms of our ability to do really fast speech processing in financial services and doing it privately and securely i think that was the important part of it absolutely and and that's really where you know that was that was on prem you know um cpus stacks of them poor intel by the way you know going from stacks of down to you know dual socket systems down to a couple of single socket or a couple of dual socket systems um, with with a load of gpus in um what was the reaction to the bank when you said oh i want to put a 2000 watt single u or 2u system in in your bank you know were they a bit afraid of that at that time oh they hated it yeah. i mean they absolutely hated it i mean gpu cards back then were the preserve of gamers and Monte Carlo simulations. And, and I think it was the same people in banks who were playing games on them and doing Monte Carlo simulations, depending on what time of day it was. Um, so trying to get GPUs in at a wider level in banks was actually almost impossible initially. Um, and it took a lot of work. And we actually worked very closely with, um, with the NVIDIA finance team to try and persuade customers that actually you could take a GPU card and put it into a data center. And it's really only quite recently, I think, that we're seeing that pivot within banks where they're actually saying, do you know what? We can now see the benefit of these GPU card thingies and we'll add them to our standard builds. And that's the problem in a bank. They have a standard build. And if the, if the GPU card's not on a standard build, um, you can't get them put in place. Oh, hey, I think we'll probably leave uh, the talks of shadow IT versus internal IT departments uh, to another time. But I think what's interesting for me is that from a um, from a workflow perspective, natural language understanding, actually, when it comes to spoken voice, starts with that ASR piece. Right. Um, what are the particular elements that you go through there? So in my mind, I think about um, there's language detection, dialect detection before you actually get to that transcription piece? Well, it's all part of the same kind of big mess, really, because when you get into a bank, the way people speak on the phone is almost incomprehensible. They speak a different language to us. You know, even in English, they speak a different language to us. The quality of the phone calls you get is atrocious. Quite often on speakerphones, people are shouting over a speakerphone. Um, at each other. So what you're actually doing is trying to make the whole process feed off itself. So if we're doing language detection, for example, what we actually do is we transcribe every single call in multiple languages simultaneously, which we can only do because we've got GPU cards to do it. So we've got one client who we do 12 simultaneous languages for every single call. And then we pick the one which was most successful effectively. Um, but that even that's changing now that we're using some interesting work with spectrograms. If you know, if you're in my industry, we love spectrograms to to build deep learning models which can determine what language is being spoken at any given moment in a phone call. Because a lot of these traders switch languages. You might go from English to Russian or Dutch to Russian or you know English to French, and so you need to be able to detect that on the way through. So. You know, you, we're building a, a kind of a wider ML pipeline now of, of doing that initial language detection, then putting it through speech recognition, then quite often putting it through some post-processing because the quality of the transcription is not always as good as you want it to be because people, as I said, are shouting over school boxes and that type of thing. So it, it's very complicated to get any, anything reasonable out of, um, particularly on the trading floor. 
slightly different in call centers, but the trading floor is a nightmare. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's really taught you guys, um, which is now being shared with, with, with hopefully a lot of listeners, um, around those, those particular challenges. And it's actually sparked something in my mind um, because I've, I've been speaking to a very large multinational bank. Um, and rather than on the trading floor, this is at the consumer end, uh, they want to be able to transcribe um, customer calls, right? So, and they want to do that, they want to have kind of, you know, one methodology across all. Um, and they're speaking to multiple ISVs, they're speaking to multiple vendors around those particular challenges. Um, but, you know, they sort of, they're, they're thinking within country um, in, in respect of, you know, going from taking language, dialect, regional, um, and then running the model, right? right? Picking the accurate model based on those three factors. Um, but you've just raised a good point that people, um, not only obviously speak in their, in, in, in their, not necessarily their mother tongue, um, but they may also change, um, change, change language throughout the, the call, right? And then yeah. suddenly you've got to do that work again and then do that all live within microseconds because you're actually helping the, the agent on the other side of the line, right? Is actually helping and assisting on mortgage, insurance, whatever it is. That's, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, no. If, if, if you're trying to do it based on where you think someone's calling from, uh, you're almost inevitably going to fail. You have to be much broader in your approach to pick up uh, kind of different dialects, different languages, even in the same country, people speak in a vast number of different accents. Um, you know, in, in the UK, someone calling into a call center, uh, they could be, it could be Czech accented English, um, you know, Polish accented English. It could be Indian accented English, it could be Scottish accented English, you know, all of those things. Could be Geordie, could be Brummy. <laughs> exactly, any, any of those. So it's, you know, that's one of our biggest challenges is making sure you build models which can accommodate all of that. So it, yeah, I mean the whole, and then people want 100% perfect transcript. And it's like, well, human beings can't do 100% perfect transcript. So my biggest question to people always is, why do you think you want a transcript? And they'll go, oh, don't know actually. Yeah. That's actually the first question before you go into anything is what's the use case? What are you trying to get out of it? Don't try and say, I want this technology. You know, what you should really be saying is what's the solution I'm looking for? You know, am I trying to find people doing things wrong? Am I trying to search for stuff? Am I interested in how they feel? You know, start at that end and then work backwards is, um, is what I would say usually. And, and that's, uh, very akin to where I, you know, obviously I, I'm not just sort of uh, pigeonholing myself in natural language understanding. Of course, I work across computer vision and uh, and various other AI aspects. But um, you know, that's that's where it comes to my mind that this is all creating and curating a lot of different data points. But with, with that in mind, I think what we're going to do is, is pigeon that hole that there. Um, and, and really, I, I think I, I would welcome some comments um, and, some, and some descriptive uh, arguments, perhaps, from our um, hopefully large audience. Um, and please look out for, for future episodes. And uh, I look forward and uh, let's talk soon, Nigel. That was really good. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, Jack. Always a pleasure. Speak to you soon. All the best. Cheers, Bye. then. Bye. Bye-bye.